You're listening to The Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend, Lucas Spinoza, coming at you from my office inside of the Black Sheep Lounge right here in Welland, Ontario, and you are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast that highlights positive people. We're here to show you how you can use your passions to live your life passion forward. Today, joined by an incredibly special guest, the first time having a freaking comedian (laughs) on the podcast, David Green. Uh, You've done a thousand things. We met a zillion years ago. I'm using a lot of over-the-top adjectives to describe you, but you're an over-the-top and interesting guy. Uh, you also were the host of Live on Queen. Now, it's Hilarity in the Horseshoe that you're doing. Is it 4680Q? Is that what it is? Uh, the Live on Queen radio show, we do on 4680Q. Uh, Hilarity yep. on the Horseshoe is on Kojiko Your TV. On Kojiko Your TV. Yep. Awesome. So across all mediums, now on a podcast, pretty soon you're going to be on freaking CTV or something like that. So. I want to get on the side of buses. So if I can get on bus <laughs> and then people can follow me around. That's something like I love it. So how are you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me. This is a cool place. Cool Thank you. Yeah. Now, I'm stoked to have you on. This is one of those instances where I think I know more about you than we've talked about. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's like when you think of that in, in like an athlete or something where you'll watch their games and you'll hear their interviews and then you'll get the opportunity to go watch a game. Maybe they're walking past you and you're like, hey, I watch this. And you're like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really stoked to have you on. Um, I think it was probably what, 2011? It was a long, long time ago. Yeah. 2010 yeah. or 2011. So it's been close to 10 years that yeah. we met at the Greg Fruin Theater, Niagara Falls. It was Niagara Talent Search, yeah. uh, which was a lot of fun. And I remember distinctly your comedy set for, for many reasons, but I think the number one was comedy these days is a little bit lazy sometimes where people are going to stereotypes or they're going um, about themselves, of course, like stereotypes about themselves, or they're being overly vulgar just for the sake of it to get a laugh or make someone feel uncomfortable, which then causes some sort of yeah. reaction. But you, for what I've seen, have done pretty clean comedy and i find if you're able to make someone laugh without being overly vulgar that is unreal mm-hmm. so was that a conscious decision for you to, it, to do that it was from the get-go when i first started out the reason i got into comedy was it wasn't even to do stand-up to be honest it was i wanted a tv show mm-hmm. like kirby enthusiasm i watched that show i'm like this is what i want to do i want to write funny ideas and film them and that's what i want to do for my life well, how do you do that well you gotta have a be a comedian like Jerry Seinfeld, and then you get a sitcom, and then you go from there. So I'm like, okay, I've got to become a comedian. So I would listen to Jerry Seinfeld's album over and over. And just the fact how he never swore, and he he was considered the best, like probably still is now, but to me, he was back then. Mm-hmm. And, and I know Bill Cosby, how everything's changed around him now, but back then when I was first getting into it and how clean he was, and I just felt that that's the challenge. That's what I want to be. Like, you, I could go the other route where I could be you know, vulgar and effing and jeffing and all this, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, but I'm like, no, I want to, it's, I found it more of a challenge to be cleaner and be funny. And I like challenges. So that's what I set out to do. No, I, I think that's 
awesome. I think it's incredibly admirable to, to, ha to have that characteristic in you. And you could also cater to larger audiences because now not only are you catering to the drunk college crowd or, you know, the, the biker crowd, you can also cater to families or to kids or at charity functions or whatever it is. Yeah. So it really opens up your horizons. It does. That's the cool thing. I've played in schools. I've played for kids. I do mm -hmm. retirement homes quite regularly as well. Awesome. So, but it's, it, it is a flip side to it too. A lot of people don't like my son, don't like the cleaning. Gets oh, it's easy and not easy, but they just want more controversial humor, and they think. But I don't know. I'm not for you. Can't please everybody. Just, no, I mean I'm trying to please the people that find my sense of humor the same way. Of course, no, it's no different than here at the cafe. I mean, not everybody's going to like our coffee. Not everyone's going to like the food. But as long as the majority of people you are are entertaining are enjoying it, you're doing something right. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So, when did you start? Like, wh when did you start doing comedy? It was the year before I moved to Canada. So, I think 12, 12 years ago. And where did you move from? I moved from Nottingham, England. Or Ravenshead was the actual uh, Ravenshead. The name of the small town. Yeah. Very well, cool. I was back and forth to be honest. Like, I let I lived in Nottingham growing up, and I left there when I was eleven. I moved to Spain for two years. Interesting. Yeah. And then in Spain, I moved to Canada when I was 13. So I grew up in Canada between 13 and 19. I was a Canadian high school kid. I, all my best growing up mem memories of being Canadian. And, awesome. Yeah. But I moved back when I was 19 for three years. And it was during those three years when I was back. Just be like, was To 21. Nottingham area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Small town of Ravenshead. And I got on stage for the first time when I was 21. And no, so 13 years ago, I'm just turned 34. Time flies. That's crazy, man. Yeah. No, I, th I think it's really exciting uh, because now this is this is on a few different fronts. So this is also as you're not a newcomer anymore, but as someone who's moved to this country and to also make a living doing something that's already a tough gig in Canada. It's tough anywhere to become mm -hmm. uh, like to make a living being a comedian or an artist or a dancer, whatever it is. Uh, and and back to an earlier point about uh, the, t the style of your comedy. This podcast here is, again, to highlight people who do what they love for a living. And the reason why it was important to me to have that as a criteria is people need examples. They need real life close to them to show like, hey, here's a person who gets to make a living making people laugh. Here's a person who's a content creator. They're mm -hmm. on YouTube. Here's a person who's a tattoo artist. Here's a person who's an art teacher, right? So these are all people who do what they love and they make money doing it. So it's you're able to set an example. And so anyway, back to your style of comedy, I think that's another reason that it's important because so many people are so picky about exact minute details about how they're going to become successful. So like that would be me saying, I only want to do this podcast if a thousand people listen each time. Well, that's the wrong way to go about it. You got to get started, do what makes sense for yourself, but also you have to be realistic about your demographic. If no one's listening, no one's coming on, no one's sponsoring, and then you're going nowhere. You're running yourself in circles and that's okay if it's a hobby, but if you're trying to make a living out of something, it just doesn't make sense. So, I mean, if you decided you want to be the most vulgar comedian in the world, you might be able to play at late night bars, but you wouldn't be able to necessarily, I shouldn't say it completely, but it would be less likely that you could make money and support yourself off of being that niche. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's great that you've recognized uh, this void, but you're also fulfilling uh, some journey within yourself. Yeah, that's like growing up, like in high school, I always got good grades in high school. I did move around, went to like five different high schools in six years. But 
I didn't, I never knew what I wanted to do. All I knew is I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to be self-employed. I just mm -hmm. didn't want to be answering to like, do this, do that, have to be here at nine, back at five. Well, um, and then it was, it wasn't until I was turning 20 when I was like, okay, I want to write for TV. I want to do this or be a comedian. And I, I knew, well, I didn't know exactly back then how hard it would be to get to the point where you can be doing it full time. Mm -hmm. Like, cause eventually you start off is like, well, you get paid in drinks tickets or you get paid <laughs> this or you're, you're doing it for free for many, many, many years. I yeah. think even now still, I think the amount of money I've spent on comedy to get where I am compared to the amount of money I've made, I'm still in the hole, but that's the we're way at the is. point finally now where we're, yeah, things are getting better. That's great. And yeah. so how long were you doing comedy before you were able to support yourself? So for about probably eight, nine years. I, and then I was doing, and then I quit my job and I was making enough money to be, uh, support myself and paying all my bills. And I was, I was treading water, but I was doing what I love. Of I'm course, like happy. Yeah. Everything's great. I'm like, I'm a comedian. I'm self-employed comedian. I'm doing what I love and following my profession. But then I got a girlfriend and I realized, <laughs> I, realized I can't support me and have enough money to have a girlfriend and do nice things and go out to dinner <laughs> and do them. Like, okay. So I had to go back and I had to get a job again for a couple of years. But then, yeah. But then after that, improving, working hard. And then, yeah. And then now I'm at the place now where I'm happily married, have a wife and a good job now and good making you, money and from comedy. That's awesome. Yeah. And I have to I have to point it out because it's going to come up at some point here. Um, anyone who listens to this podcast more than one time will find out that there's a famous fly from three episodes <laughs> uh, who's been dead or so I thought, but has been resurrected and is now here. So if you hear me swatting at the mic, you know what it is. Nice. I, I actually, call him Jeff Goldblum. So this anyone is... who's watching can see I have this like <laughs> retractable fly swatter and I'm going to kill it while on air like Obama did. Watch this. You ready? Watch. And sorry to scare yourself. So if you got headphones on, take them off. Did you get them? I don't know. I hit it. So sorry if I scared anybody. <laughs> but now it's entertaining if you're watching it. Oh, it's over there here. Oh, I got to kill this thing. Now he's on flat <laughs> surface. This is, see, we're talking about comedy. We're doing a segue to kill a fly here. I'm just in a weird angle because of this stupid mic. Boom. Oh, Done. yeah, dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys, this uh, you don't get any more entertaining than this, right? Killing a fly and anyone who wants to watch it got this thing for a buck at the dollar store. So I recommend yeah, going to the You need to merchandise store. that. Get a logo on there. That's the official fly swatter. Of above the, the mug. Lounge. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a little, I'm going to have my hair printed on this thing and <laughs> just start swatting. I could probably uh, use my hair as a fly yeah. swatter too, but. Oh, man, that's funny. So, um. Where did I want to go with this? Oh, yeah. So when did you uh, get the opportunity to do uh, the, the show on your TV? Uh, it just came up uh, just a few months ago. Um, we got, I'd been doing the web series at TAPS, the Live on Queen show, mm -hmm. uh, for a while. And then back then, I approached your TV and Coach Go to do the show. But at the time, how, how they set up their scheduling for the seasons, it was in the middle of their season, so the timing didn't uh, link up. So he said, come back in a few months. And then... I got sidetracked. We made a couple of short films, which take, mm -hmm. took a lot of my time. And I started the Garden City Comedy Festival, which again, awesome. that took the majority of my time too. Like, it's like a nine to five yeah, endeavor to try and get everything set up for that. Festivals are a and disaster. Then, <laughs> so yeah. much work. Yeah. So we're in, into year four now. And it's, it's getting easier now too. Now have mm -hmm. all the groundwork set in place. Um, but then a uh, good friend, DJ Brooks, a mm -hmm. comedian, he's been doing the Ice Dogs this week working for Kojiko for the last few years and that was finally awesome. ending and he wanted to make a new avenue of making a new TV show for Kojiko. So he approached me saying, this is what I want to do. Do you want to do a comedy show on Kojiko Your TV? 
So we went and spoke to Jack Custers at Your TV, and he's like, yeah. yes, we've been wanting to do something like this. Awesome. Yeah. Jack's a great guy. He's a great, I love Jack. I've known, yeah, known yeah. Jack for many years. He's seen me bomb many times over the years, so it's great. But. That's Maybe that's a, a, a good place to start with this, too, is I have... I, I don't think I have stage fright anymore. I've done enough public speaking now where I don't really get nervous unless it's like grade seven and eight kids. They yeah. are like the, <laughs> the meanest people on the planet. Yeah. And it brings back bad night, <laughs> nightmares of mine from being uh, that age. But uh, what do you think is the hardest audience to make laugh? Hardest audience to make... Or like what's when, like the, when you know you get asked to do a job and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to go. Is there any time? I, I know you probably yeah. won't single it out because you don't want to turn those jobs down. Yeah. But what's what's probably the hardest audience for you to entertain? It's, I, wouldn't, I don't want it's like every, every audience I feel I can entertain like the different. You just got to find like I have material ranging from like just example, two weeks ago on a Wednesday night. I went to I had four open mics in mm. downtown St. Catharines and Thorold. And each place was so differently diverse and the demographic of people. So I'm like, hey, these are an older jazz typey crowd or do these type of jokes. And mm -hmm. then you go to like a sketchy dive bar late at night when drinking party for their birthday, okay, I'll do these type of jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not so much the people, like the crowd, it's just usually how the room is set up. Because I, mm -hmm. I do a lot of corporate work for organizations and you'll go and they've never done a comedy show before. So, okay, we'll set you up. Here you go. They're all eating their steak dinners at round tables, and they're all this far away. And while they're eating dinner and it's facing clanking. the wrong way, and you're all the way over there in the bright lights, with no no darkness, no spotlight, just the middle of the day. Hey, go go take jokes and make them laugh. And it's like that's not set, setting up for success for doing comedy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I find yeah, the crowd is just you can relate to any crowd, like if, not just any crowd, any person, like. You put two people together, they could be completely different and they'll not get along. But there's always some common ground that would bring those two people together. It's just finding that common ground and connecting. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a great point because I'm a huge fan of stand-up. Uh, we, we talked about it just coming before coming into here about one of my favorite venues when I'm up in Ottawa is Absolute Comedy. They're all the time. Whenever I'm in Ottawa, I make sure I go to a Sunday night show. Yeah. It's 10 bucks. Uh, great comics are on there. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell by how the room feels before the show even starts, yeah. if the show is going to be one of my favorite or one of the worst shows. Yeah. And it almost never has to do with the comedian. It's, it's the room. Yeah. You know, if the audience isn't on board, it's hard to, do you find that? Like it doesn't, sometimes an audience, if they're not going for it, it doesn't matter if this joke killed last night, tonight, it's just not yeah. going to fly. That's, the, that's why the host is so important too. Like mm -hmm. the host, cause it sets the vibe of the rest of the night. And if mm -hmm. you, if you get them off to a good start then everybody else, will do well as well but if it's like a weird vibe at the start and you come up and it can be the funniest guy ever if everybody, the comic the audience is already already feeling withdrawn mm -hmm. and like feeling uncomfortable a little bit it'd be harder to break that laugh cycle for sure but like how absolute like the reason it's such a great mm -hmm. club is because they do set the comedians up for success like how they run the room when you come in it's not like sit wherever you want it's come to the front and they fill the front row out first yeah. and the second row and the third row and it's People are right there, and it's just a beautiful place to perform. Have you performed there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, yeah, love it there. That's awesome. Yeah, I, no, I've not done the Ottawa one, one, but the Toronto one. I was of. so bummed, because I've been to the Toronto one as well. I was yeah. so bummed, because uh, I've been there probably close to two dozen times. The Toronto one's the closest one to us. Um, and I remember I went there over a year ago um, in Ottawa with my girlfriend for our anniversary, uh, and we wanted to go to the show. It was like our last night in Ottawa. Let's go. 
check it out. And so we fill out the ballots at the end of the night, right? To say like, how did, how was your experience? How were the servers? Yeah. Opening act, MC, headliner, how were they? Um, and they're like, leave your contact info, right? So I filled that in and I've done that again, close to two dozen times. Yeah. I got a call like three, four weeks ago from Absolute. And this is now a year later saying, yeah. hey, you wanted uh, 10 free tickets to this show. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, when, when is it? And they're like, it's tomorrow night. I'm like, oh, damn it. Road trip. <laughs> Going all the way to Ottawa. So I couldn't go, but I I think it's, uh, it, it's great. But I've been to so many comedy shows now, but I've only one time ever had a bad audience member that to the point where it was distracting from... Um, from the comedian and it was this guy who was from the get-go just a pain in the ass like mm. he was being rude to the servers being loud so everyone could hear him and he was obviously already intoxicated yeah. and uh, it only took that's one thing a, a good club will recognize these people and get them yeah. out as yeah. fast there's been uh, a few times since then now where I've been at clubs and they won't eject the person because they're like oh well they paid I'm like who cares they're ruining the show for everybody but absolute it happened to me um, not that long ago. And this guy sitting right beside my girlfriend and I, and immediately this guy's like, Oh, you suck. Two guys got him, kicked him out <laughs> nice. like so fast. And nice. I think that's important. Have you, uh, have you experienced anything like that with, cause I know your stuff isn't overly offensive. So I, I find it it's hard offensive. to believe. It can be, I do puns. So if puns are offensive to some people, they're like, oh, I hate puns. Well, like, I, I guess, do you find me. people, uh, are in opposition to you sometimes or, or does it not really happen to you? No, I've, I've had, yeah, a fair share of mean heckles <laughs> over the years, but you know, it's part of a job. Um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And you don't want, you don't want to like lash onto the comedian, onto the heckler right away and be mean to them. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, the worst part I find is when people don't engage, like if mm -hmm. somebody are shouting or doing something, like you can't just ignore them mm -hmm. because they're just going to keep doing it. You've got to, you don't want to lash onto them and be mean to them right away. Like, but then if they are, if they keep being like, stupid and then mm -hmm. you gotta okay, you gotta put them in the place yeah because some people you uh, comedians will open it up to basically want a reaction from the mm -hmm. crowd and say uh who here's been to niagara falls and you're like oh, yeah. yeah you know and so you want that but sometimes people you could have a heckler be like oh niagara falls sucks what? and so that could be just a one-off and maybe they were trying to be funny and so that's right where as a comedian you have to kind of determine are they going to do that again or so w what's What's your thing? Do you have a, a set way of handling them, or is it you, case every, by case every, basis? Every way, everyone is unique, really. But you need to, yeah. Just, I find if they are like that, chances are you, you're gonna outsmart them. If they're gonna be, if For they sure. think they're the smartest person in the room and they're yelling out and they think they're so cool and it's about them, like I can, I can take you down. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. <laughs> like it's just we keep talking. I'll ask you a question, answer a question. You're gonna dig your own hole, and then I'll put you into place, and then the crowd's gonna get on my side over your side. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. I, I can't remember who it is now. It's going to bug me. But uh, I saw in an interview maybe two or three days ago, a stand-up comedian um, went on this radio show and did a freestyle rap. Nice. And it was apparently amazing. And, and the host had said that this is the MC of comedy and whatever. And they got this title. And they were asked about it in a... In a I guess in a follow-up interview with somebody else, and and they said that it's actually very common. It was Shia LaBeouf. Cool, that's nice. who it was. So he did a comedy set, and then he went on this show. And so anyway, he was saying that um, he finds a lot of comedians would probably be good freestylers because of their they have to learn to be witty over mm -hmm. the years from doing stand-up. Do you find um, that comedians you run into have like these hidden talents that are specific to 
other comedians? Oh, well, yeah, for sure. Like, you do, like, stand-up comedy. Like, you do stand-up comedy is not usually, well, not is, not is to do stand-up comedy, but it just, that is, like, the starting point to so many different avenues of different things as well. Like, believe it or not, I've done rapping as <laughs> well. It sounds ridiculous when I do, but I know I enjoy it because it's words. It's, yeah, it's yeah, word yeah. playing words and rhyming and putting and, you know, stuff like that. So that didn't come from nowhere. It's, it's an actual thing there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just the thinking of your thing on your feet and being quick witted as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I, I would assume from a, a certain angle, it actually may help with comedy is you want to be quick off the fly. I mean, my dad put you on the spot before we came in here yeah. and you saw a whistle. He talked about a referee and immediately you're right on it. Like here's a, a joke about Foot Locker, like so fast. So I, I find that unbelievable. And as much as I love stand-up comedy, I fear the thought of being put in that position because there must be a crazy expectation from people for you to always be on. Oh uh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which and off stage, I'm not always ah uh, making. Well, I can when I'm with my friends and comfortable. But usually, when I'm in when I meet new people, it's. I'm, I'm very shy and very awkward. Yeah, like yeah. My least favorite thing to do is when you go to these big events and you're the hired comedian and then you ask, ask to sit down and eat with them before at the <laughs> table and it's like an hour and you, everybody's like, okay, you're the comedian, you'd be entertaining. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm at work right now. I'm just, I don't want to just put me in the back room by myself and I'll come out when it's ready and then I'll perform because yeah. I get very uncomfortable when I'm like, yeah, feel that I'm forced. I have to be, you know, on all the time. For sure. I mean, it's kind of like, and, and I was never a singer-singer. I sing to basically accompany songs that I write. And, and it's for me, I, I really never did it for uh, as a job. I did backup singing when I was in bands. But the worst thing ever, the second someone finds out that you have some ability to sing, is like, sing me a song. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do that. And I'm not a shy person. Like I have no problem. I can stand up in front of a thousand people and talk to them, have no problem with it. But the second you're like, go yeah. spotlight cameras on go. Like, no, no, do my taxes or shovel my job, whatever your job is. Do that for me now for free. Right on the, like, like, yeah. It's, it's weird about like almost there's an expectation from people, but I don't know. I mean, it comes with the territory, right? It comes with the job. But, um, so what's, what's next for you? I know you've got the show, you've got your radio show, you've got, TV show you've got obviously you're doing stand up all across everywhere you yeah, know, yeah which so is I'm amazing still do working on a tour we're planning and doing um, shows and then the festival when the works of expanding that making that bigger mm -hmm. and the big project I'm working on right now is a, it's a web series called The Harder They Fall yeah um, I was the Niagara Falls Cultural Development Fund I was given awesome. a grant to put together a web series um, based in Niagara Falls so it's following the exploits of a comedian trying to make it big while living and working in Niagara Falls that's really cool. But we've also tried to tie that in with like the um, the homelessness and mental health issue downtown mm -hmm. Niagara Falls, which is like a hard subject to bro broach when you're trying to be a comedy series, but also trying to tackle serious issue and shine the light on <laughs> yeah, these issues. Hey, you have no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's actually based around shoes too. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! There's a big yeah, shoes play a big part in it. So so that's we've almost finished. It's in post production right now. So. Yeah, doing that, that. Well, we do a really big cool. fundraiser for the Niagara Falls community outreach, and yeah, so looking forward to that. It's great that the city's investing in non-traditional arts as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's uh, that's really awesome because money is tight. I mean, I can see this from a city perspective now that I'm on council, but the uh, 
to, for, to have a city believe in, in someone like yourself to have this project go out. And not only is it good for you, for your profession, it's good for the city. And also if you're trying to address the homelessness issue and addiction issues, it's, it's amazing. You're killing three things with mm -hmm. one stone, right? So yeah. it's great to, the city, they're really doing great though. Like with this, the cultural development fund, it mm -hmm. funds so many different unique and inspirational projects. But I also had the opportunity to MC the Niagara Night of Art last Thursday night, which is amazing. Like seeing all the different like puppet shows and installations. Was and that artists. the, muse the uh, museum? The, right? the museum, yeah. I was supposed to go there because I'm friends with uh, Emily Andrews. Nice. And yeah. she had that cool rearview mirror yep. uh, display, but I just wasn't able to, no, to make cool. it. Yeah, but it, it looked amazing. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> do you have any. I shouldn't say do you, because of course you do. But what's what's the long-term goal? I know you talked about a TV show. Have you been, do you have scripts written? Do you have ideas about what you want to pitch? Because I'm assuming now that you're at the point you can support yourself, you must be closer to that goal than ever. Yeah. Well, I, I want to make movies. I want to make TV shows um, and just continue touring around, doing stand-up and getting paid to make people laugh. That's, that's the goal. That's it's, awesome. I just, I don't have a long-term, this is what I want to get to. I just always want to be doing one big project or maybe not maybe a couple of things at the same time but if i'm not as soon as one big project ends i get so like not depressed it's oh what do i do and then something else will come along i need something where, it's, yeah. where I, it takes all of my everything like all okay this needs so much effort and thought and determination needs to go into these things and all the passion i need i always have something to be putting that into as soon as that sure. ends i need something else immediately no i i find that's a very similar theme between almost every guest on this podcast because I'm that kind of person, right? For me, I, I always need to be going after something that excites me. If I get bored, I'm dying essentially, yeah. right? I, yeah. I need to be working. I need to be consumed by something. Uh, and, and it needs to be a positive thing. So I, I think it's great to see that all of us share that mm -hmm. in common. So I, I, you don't feel so alone and crazy all the time, yeah. but, uh, I think this is a good call to action for anyone who feels like that. Just keep working on it because these little projects, I don't know if it rings true for you, but I know for myself, every little job or little opportunity, like the, the for, for me, my public speaking experience started from Niagara College students would come to the cafe and they'd be like, can we do our media project or our radio project or our broadcasting project on you or on the black sheep? And I would say yes. And what certain people who have gotten to a certain point in their success stop saying yes to those opportunities because mm -hmm. now they're quote unquote, quote unquote, too small for them. And I find those are the ones most of the time that end up being so super rewarding or, or end up leading you to the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cause I've done a few things for Niagara college over the years. And now, you know, they're calling saying, we want to have you come in and, and do a guest speaking opportunity there or teach a class or do a guest lecture. Yeah. And all of these things wouldn't have been possible if I didn't put myself in that position. Do you find that? Oh, yeah, true of yourself also? It's all, yeah, it's just collaborations is key too, and helping yeah. out. You never want to not help out the younger up and coming talent. That's why I enjoy doing the Thursday night showtime shows with all the, mm -hmm. the amateur night when bringing out all the new faces and just just to see how comedy has flourished in the Niagara region like makes me because when I started out there was nowhere to perform I used to yeah. drive to Hamilton Burlington four or five times a week because there was literally no open mics around here now there's literally like think six or seven regular shows around here and that's awesome it's gone from like seven comedians when I started to like over 50 like we did the Niagara's top comic competition last year there were 40 comedians that's awesome yeah it just blows my mind 
Yeah. And they're funny too, because <laughs> there's so many different rooms they can go to. They're improving. It's, and it makes me raise my game too. I see all these people sure. like, coming up. I'm like, okay, I got to, you know, they're working hard. I got to work harder. And you put yourself out there. You're always there. I mean, back to our earlier point, it kind of it, it, uh, expands on that, which is you need to be present. People need to know who you are. And so if you're just sitting back waiting for that big opportunity, two things are not happening. Mm. One, you're not growing as a, as a talent or as a, as an artist mm. and no one's seeing you, or at least they're seeing somebody else. And that yeah. not saying competition, competition is great, but if they fall in love with a comedian that might be doing your style while you're waiting at home saying, I'm too good for this, yeah. it's sometimes things can be taken away from yeah. yourself. You gotta, you gotta put yourself out there and t- like, when I first started getting into it too, I'd see all these comedians on Facebook promoting themselves, doing this and this video and this. I'm like, it'd be like, oh, I don't, it wasn't me. I'm like, I don't want to be putting it on the, I just want to go to get funny. But it's all, it's part of the thing. Like, yeah, you gotta be I know people there. get annoyed because I always post, oh, I'm doing this today on Facebook, I'm doing this, promoting and always trying to do stuff. And that's, I have to do that. It's not because I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I need to always be trying to put yourself out there in, in the public eye and, yeah, I've been forcing myself to do Instagram stories now. <laughs> I, I can't stand doing them because I can't yeah. ever remember to do them. But anyway, we're running out of time really quickly, which flew by. It flew by so, like a, well, not everything flew. It flew for a bit and then stopped. <laughs> but we've been resurrected here. Yeah, poor yeah. fly died yeah. twice. I, I don't think there's any coming back yeah. a third time. But how about you let us know where can we find your stuff? Uh, you kind of mentioned what's coming up. But if there's anything you didn't mention, now's the time. Give us some links. Give yeah. us some social media so handles. So you can check out our TV show, um, Showcasing Great Local Talent, uh, Hilarity in the Horseshoe. It is on Coach Go Your TV Wednesdays at 9 and Thursdays and Saturdays, Saturdays at 6.30. And check out my website, www.davidgreencomedy.com. A lot of videos there and information about coming shows. And then Instagram, at David Green Comic. Awesome. Brother, thank you so no, much thanks for coming. So much. It was a lot of fun. Thanks yeah, for having it me. was a blast having you. Yep. You guys are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast that highlights positive people. We're here with David Green, comedian extraordinaire, does a zillion things. Check him out, and we will see you next week. Hey, friend. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Above the Mug. For more episodes, check us out at AboveTheMug.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.